And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Friday afternoon, and he's raring to go. I am, of course, talking about Luke Smith from Envision Financial to talk all things financial. How you doing? You good? Nothing I'm gets excited. You, nothing gets you more excited than talking about well, financial planning. You know what? <laughs> little little <laughs> private joke here. I just get excited. We've been fortunate enough to get, you know, Reese Keebers from RSM over the bridge and away from you know his his cohorts and you know he's he's probably got to get his GPS out to work it out to get home. But he's here today and you know we appreciate the time he's taken to come and have a chat about all things capital gains and tax related. So it's mate, it's it's good to have you in. So Reese, you're you're the latest of a series of special guests to help out with uh, special topics. Mm. Uh, but just before we get to that, on Wednesday we had a caller to our yep. legal program asking about something that I thought might have been better suited yep. to ask you because it's a financial planning matter. Yep. And this was in terms of giving money away, yep. what the impact of that is for uh, pensioners if you're on a pension, yep. and for self-funded retirees if there's any impact for people who are not on a pension. Yeah, cool. So good distinction. So if we break it down and say, can you give money away to anybody you want? Yes, you can. The separation then becomes, do you receive Centrelink assessment or not? If you're self-funded, feel free to swing for the fence and give money away as, 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 as far and as wide as you like because there are no implications. If you're receiving a Centrelink benefit, be mindful that they generally assess anything over $10,000 a year as being yours. Um, so just think about who you give and when you give money to because yeah. they will deem it for a five-year period if you give away more than $10,000 in a 12-month period and it gets it con- included against your assessment when they're working out your entitlements. So as long as people keep that in mind, they'll generally be all right. But if you're a self-funded retiree... Swing for the fence, no do, implications. Do what you like, doesn't matter. Yep. Now, I think I left out one of the more important parts. Our caller was uh, asking specifically about if there's an impact on whether or not you can have a senior's health card. Uh, now, can you get a senior's health card if you're not on a pension? Yes, because it, but it is means-tested. Okay. So that's a, so that's if a you, separate... So if you're giving away hold. money and you yep. have a senior's health card, is there any implication there? You oh, Don't hold me to that one without checking it. Because it's income tested, not yep. asset tested. Okay. So just get some advice before you do it, uh, and oh, I'll come back to that so one next week. So it's even <laughs> trickier than I thought. Well, again, it's it's just about making sure that the different assessments under different entitlements for Centrelink are included. And yep. I know when it comes to age pension, um, anything more than ten, they'll deem you to still have it, and. That's something that people need to keep in mind. Otherwise, everybody on be on full pension and their kids would have all of their assets and mm. they'd be declaring nothing. Indeed. All right. Well, I hope we've covered that. Uh, but uh, if there's any further questions, just send us an email and we'll address it in due course. Yeah, look, I'll just, just leave your number and I'll call you back. That's yeah. fine. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> now, on to today's topic, which mm. is uh, that uh, age-old question. What is capital gains tax and how does it work? When I say age-old question, there was a time when there was no capital gains tax in Australia. Everybody mm. could uh, make as much capital gain as they liked and become extremely wealthy and have no <laughs> consequences whatsoever. Gee, those were the good old days. Yeah, look, I think it's, this is why we wanted to get Reese in because this is a perennial question that we get and there seems to be a number of furfies out there in relation to how it's worked out what it is, how it's calculated and how it's assessed and a range of other things that we'll cover off. Um, so that it's, it's, it's really handy to have him in just to sort of demystify a few of the sort of misconceptions and just lay out for people, okay, well, what is it? How does it work? And, you know, what do they consider when working it out? So, mate, I think we've, we throw it over to you. Just give us a rundown on 
you know, those three points and we'll, we'll play from there. All right, well, all right. Oh, thanks, Luke. Thanks, Leon. Thanks for having me in. <laughs> all right, so kicking it off, what is capital gains tax? I think the, the, the first misconception is that capital gains tax is a separate tax. Hmm. Unfortunately, it's not. It's a, it's a set of uh, statutory rules to work out how much it, it tells you effectively how to work out the profit on the sale of an asset. Um, and then basically that profit you add on to your other income and apply your marginal rates of tax. And I think that's... There you go. Look, yeah. I think that, that for me is the, the biggest thing I get is, well, what's the capital gains tax rate? How mm. much capital gains do I pay? And when you break that down and say, well, what did you have? What did you pay for it? What did you sell it for? Is there a gain or a loss? If there's a gain, it gets taxed. Now, there's a benefit for people depending on the duration of ownership. Just want to break that one down for us? Yeah, look, that's a good question, and that's often a misconception I hear is that uh, the longer you own an asset, the, the, the less tax you pay. Well, back in 1999, they got rid of a set of rules called indexation, and those rules basically said the longer you hold an asset, the less tax you pay. But, but they got rid of that. They got rid mm. of that. Well, there you go. <laughs> so so now the rules are simply own it for more than 12 months. You mm -hmm. own it for, for, for more than 12 months, then you divide the gain by 50%. You pay half the, ha half the gains added to your income. Okay. Now, is that, that what that ultimately means, of course, is that the rate of tax you pay is determined by what tax bracket you're in in the first place. Absolutely. What happens if the profit from your asset sale actually pushes you into the next tax bracket, but you would have been in a lower bracket if it wasn't for that profit? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I suppose we, we work on sliding scales, don't we? So it just means that it's just that little bit bumped over that, that marginal rate. You only pay the higher rate on that, that, uh, that increment over that extra bracket. Why do people get so confused about capital gains tax? Why does it seem so complicated? <laughs> oh, I suppose it's like anything, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I suppose if you're making money on an asset, it's a good thing. Oh, that's right. The great Arthur Earl, I don't know anybody in Canberra would know who that was, but uh, he once said, I don't know why people complain about paying tax. If you're paying tax, it means you're making money. And you know what? That, that for me is one of the biggest things that I confront is that, that, that discussion with people around, well, well, if I sell that, I'm going to pay capital gains. Now, I don't shed a tear for that because if you've made some money, pay some tax, I'll give you the alternative. You could sell something for less than you bought it for and make a loss, but I'm sure people will be upset about that as well. So if I've got a choice and people say, well, I'm going to sell that because it was a good investment or you know, it's run, it's rallied, it's developed, it's redeveloped, whatever you've done to improve its capital value, if you can sell it and make some money and use that for something else, great. But just be mindful of the benefits and considerations associated with selling the asset and make sure that you've got some advice in advance. I find yeah. too often, and you probably see this as well, yep. people come in after they've done something <laughs> and then say, oh, by the way, can, what could we do about reducing that tax? And had they been proactive and sort of engaged somebody or gone to their trusted advisor in the relevant field and said, look, I'm thinking about doing this. Are there any time constraints? Are there any other ways that we can try and mitigate the tax that we could incur on that? Yeah. I think that's probably a good segue because we've talked about owning it for more than 12 months and getting a 50% discount. What are some other things people can consider in preparation for a sale to try and help reduce the tax problem that we talked about moving into another bracket? Yep. I suppose the key is doing some tax planning a year end. I think that's key for all people in May, June, start working out and, and forecasting what your tax bill is going to be to work mm. out how to reduce it. I think, you know, you talk about how you reduce it, Luke. I think the big thing is you start working out, well, have I got any other capital losses? Mm. 
you know, have I got some shares that have gone down in value? I mean, blue chip shares at the moment, mm. the big banks, they've gone down in value. Is it time to, mm. do, do you realise a loss to offset look, against a gain? Yeah, and look, something that we're proactively, for people that aren't in pension phase, something that at the moment we've used the last six months of weakness to be able to say, okay, let's clip some profit out here and let's sell these assets and whether we buy them back or not is a separate discussion. But yeah. if you can, as you said, if you can lock in that loss, that loss can be used to offset the gain and that can help to mitigate you know, the, the potential tax bracket or the assessable income that you have, um, what else could people do? Um, how could they use super to try and reduce their tax as well? Well, I mean, uh, once you work out, that sort of reduces your capital gain, the capital losses, and then it's about reducing your overall taxable income. So it's about trying to bring some deductions forward or bring some additional deductions in. So certainly contributing up to your, your cap of super of $25,000 is certainly mm. a great way to do it. Yeah, look, I, I love that. Um, and that's something that you know dovetails very well into the carried forward concessional rules that we've spoken about in another show as well. So for the listeners that have, have seen a couple of episodes or heard a couple of episodes, we know that 25000 is the most you can put into super. But then from the 18-19 financial year, they introduced the carried forward rules that said that whatever you didn't use of your $25,000 limit, provided you've got less than 500000 in super, you can carry forward that amount. So in the year where you may sell an asset, it's really important to get some active tax advice because you could be able to use your cap space from the 1819 year, 1920 year, and now 2021 year to try and reduce your overall taxable income, potentially using the sale proceeds from something like a house that you've liquidated, which has caused the tax issue to start with. Um, so again, it's important to get some proactive advice from your accountant. And that's why I always throw to to yeah. Reese and some of the other guys about, well, what can we do here leading into 30 June? Because he, he's a magician at making things go away and we're not trying to avoid tax, but let's mitigate before we open. It's about managing the situation. <laughs> well, yeah. mitigate's I, a very good I, word. I, I think the words are there's tax minimisation and there's tax avoidance. <laughs> tax avoidance means you go to jail. <laughs> there you go. Tax minimisation's okay. Yeah. Um, exactly. Obviously, when we talk about capital gains and capital gains tax, uh, most people immediately think of house. Now, there's a couple of questions about that, but it also means other assets as well, which we'll come to very shortly. Mm. But with, with a house, there's an exemption for the house you actually live in, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, your principal place of residence, your, your castle, any profit made off the sale of that is absolutely tax-free. Which is always great news. But then it can get complicated if you, I don't know, have to relocate to another state or territory for work and you uh, no longer live in that house and you rent it out to somebody else. How long can you rent it out to somebody else before it becomes an investment property? And then, of course, how do you work it all out later, many years down the track, when you have to sell it? Look, good question. And I suppose it's really relevant at the moment as people are starting to upgrade houses, interest rates are low, property prices are going up, do you take advantage? Um, you know, I suppose uh, once you start renting, if you decide to sell and, and uh, keep, uh, keep the house you're in and buy a new house, um, you know, if you rent out the house as soon as you earn a dollar of income, that income is accessible income and needs to be included yeah. in your tax return. So from day one, as soon as you earn it, it's accessible income. Exciting stuff. Uh, but, of course, mm. the idea that um, you can move out of your house and rent it out to somebody else, uh, it becomes an investment property from day one. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Now, to extend on that, from a capital gains tax perspective, am I just correct me if I'm right or wrong here, but you can rent that out for up to six years. Yep, absolutely. As long as you come back and make it your primary residence again, you, there's, a, there's, a, there's something that, again, with some good proactive tax advice, you could actually rent it out for a period of time 
declare that rental income in your taxable income and then move back into the property and and avoid capital gains tax on the increase in value from when you moved out to when you came back, provided you do it inside six years. But I'm not an accountant, so let's just... (laughs) Look, you're spot on there, Luke, and there's another one as well because obviously when you go buy a new place, you tend to want to buy that house first and then sell the one you're in. Mm. Uh, They allow you six months to have exemption on both properties, provided you move to the next one. Right, it does days. get it does get complicated. Well, and that's absolutely. that's why you need the advice. Now, it also applies capital gains tax. Also applies to certain other assets, most notably shares. Of course, that's an obvious one. Yep. There's a few that it doesn't apply to. And, and looking through the uh, list of uh, exemptions here, I was interested to see um, things like collectibles acquired for less than five hundred dollars, like paintings, jewelry, coins, etc. What if I bought a, a painting for ten dollars at a garage sale? Turned out to be, I don't know, a very rare masterpiece worth ten million dollars. That's still a capital gain, isn't it? Well, it would be exempt. It would be a fantastic find for all those garage sales, Leon, you've been going to, but that (laughs) that gain would be exempt from tax. Really? So okay, you could bank that and happy days. Solid news. All right. So that's that's actually worked out on the purchase price. Of what it's on the purchase quite, price. It's what you required for. Regardless of the sale price. Absolutely. Well, there you go. You learn that, something that, every Friday, don't you? That is surprising, isn't it? That's that is good. surprising. Uh, cars and motorcycles, again, they don't apply because they're generally depreciating assets. But if I had bought a Lamborghini Mura back in 1968, it would be worth about $5 million now. Very fortunate decision and, and, and tempting not to drive that every day. But look, uh, motor vehicles are exempt from capital gain tax. They're subject to, to another tax. Yes. Um, so, yes. That's some great exemptions here. I've, I've got to get to my motor auctions now. Well, I guess, again, it always comes down to the fact that you need to understand what you're doing. And as I've said in, in many other shows, start with why. There's nothing wrong with buying vehicles. I've got, I've got clients that have you know limited edition vehicles in their super fund. Now, as long as you meet the collectible laws under the CIS Act that govern the super world, you know, a self-managed super fund's a very good structure for holding some of the out-of-box stuff, some of your pink diamonds and your cars, your wines, your paintings and all those sorts of things. And there's some really strict rules around, you know, how they're maintained, insured and, and, and the like. But, you know, it's not something that you're going to go and buy a painting in your super fund and whip it on the wall in the lounge room because that doesn't pass the sniff test. So, you know, it's important that people understand these different things because, again, it's one of those furfies that maybe tax does or doesn't apply. And in actual fact, they could be robbing themselves of some opportunities that may not actually be relevant. And as I said before, one of the obvious categories of uh, asset is uh, shares. Um, But the thing about shares, unlike houses, is that you can buy and sell them all the time. So you can be making a profit here, a loss there. It's it's complicated Mm. to keep track of, isn't it? Well, again, I think this is where, you know, having an engaged accountant is really important because... You know, the, the old adage of, oh, they just do my numbers at the end of the year. Well, you know, good proactive accountants like, like Reese here, they're on that. They're working with you to try and mitigate those opportunities and bringing things to your attention so that, you know, whilst the pandemic has been perceived as something that's a negative for shareholders and, and investment holders alike, it could actually be a really good way of locking in some losses by selling things at a price that's less than what you bought for them. Whilst you may believe that the long-term value of, the asset that you hold is is appropriate for you, getting good tax advice and taking advantage of these sorts of timeframes. I'm, I'm yet to meet anybody that says, oh, yeah, I've got to sell these assets and all of this proactive loss planning that I, I had by my accountant, yeah, I'm really upset that that avoided all the tax bill. <laughs> so, you know, I think you, you get what you pay for and not engaging someone can be even more expensive it, it, than it, not. It, 
indeed. It's a bit like the uh, people who rep themselves, represent themselves in court as a lawyer, and mm. the, it's the, the old saying is that the man who inter- represents himself in court is as a fool for a client. It's the same thing when you're doing your financial affairs. If you try and do it all yourself, you're not properly well, qualified. I think, you you know, as a bloke says every week on the radio, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And I think there's a good example. I wonder who that was. We're talking about capital gains tax mm. today, which is a frightening topic, but really that's why you talk to the experts. <laughs> so what are your key tips when it comes to managing capital gains tax? Thanks, Leon. Look, there's probably three or four tips I'd sort of shout out to the viewers here. First one is try and see if you can hold the asset for more than 12 months or more. Use any losses um, to offset against gains in the year that you sell the asset. And try and look to see if you can maximise any super contributions during the year to sort of minimise uh, or, or lower your taxable income. Now, when it comes to applying these, yep. is it losses get applied to the gross? I know we're getting a bit technical, but this one's the the, the, the next question that always comes. Well, how does it get applied and, yep. and in what order? So yep. for the listeners, can you sort of just give them a really basic example of the discount and the loss and the order at which they can yep. try and do it on the kitchen bench at home? Yeah, yeah. Be, being really simply, <laughs> it's, it's what you receive. So the proceeds minus what you paid yep. equals your gain. Yep. Then you subtract your capital losses. Right. Equals your, your gross gain yep. or your net gain. And then multiply that by 50%. Right. That so number it's apply then, the losses yep. and then chop it in half if you've held it for more than 12 months. Spot on. Because I find a lot of there's whilst there's the confusion about what is capital gains, yep. it's then about the loss, the deduction, the this, the that, and people get themselves in a right tiss. And I think it just shows that, you know, you've got to get some advice because if you're talking about some big number assets, you don't want to be taking this, you know, lightly and, and missing out on opportunities, losses, deductions, carry forward concessional rules. There's lots of ammo in your in your in your toolkit there. I think you've got to get some advice and get it sorted. If I made some big losses this year but no gains, mm-hmm. can I hang on to the losses and use them later? Forever. Spot on. They yep. carry forward indefinitely until you make a gain. Okay. So that's how all these big companies end up not paying any tax. Because they have one Possibly. terrible one terrible Possibly. year. <laughs> and Possibly. then for the next ten years they don't have to pay any tax. Yeah, look, and I think that refers back to what I said before the ad break is, you know, manage correctly where you know you're going to be investing in a structure, be it your own name, joint names, or whatever it may be, being proactive and getting good tax advice is vital because those losses could be used in any year that suits you. And as I said before, I'm, I'm yet to find someone that goes, yeah, I'm really upset about all those losses we carried forward because we were proactive because I'd really like to pay a lot more tax. You know, <laughs> I have that conversation all the time with people. Well, I'm sure you do because, well, you know, people ask all sorts of interesting questions, but that's what you're there for, isn't it, to answer people's questions? Well, that's it. Just remember, what's your gain, what's your loss, chop it in half and then add it to your marginal tax rate. And I think Reese sort of demystified all of the assumptions and and misconceptions that people have. It's actually just something gets added to your adjusted taxable income. Beautiful. So uh, to wrap it all up, where can listeners get more information? So look, in late 62604749, you know, it's, it's, it's give us a bell, come in, have a chat, envisionfinancial.com.au. We've got the Knowledge Centre, all of this sort of technical information's in there. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker, on iTunes and Spotify. And we've got the YouTube channel, which, you know, you can subscribe to and get the footage from today. We've got the key takeouts before and after the break. Um, Reese, if people have got tax questions, where can they get hold of you? Uh, website, uh, rsm.com.au. My phone number, though, 62170300. Beautiful. And where's the office? Deakin, Equinox, Business Park. There you go. Big cafe in the middle. Do it over a latte. Bit of tax planning. Save a fortune.
Support a small business and buy a coffee. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Marvellous stuff. Thanks very much, both of you. Mate, pleasure. And, Thanks, uh, Leo. Luke, uh, you'll be back next Friday. Will you be bringing another special uh, We guest? do. We do. Ran, wrapping up our, uh, our specialist series, we've got Mark Peretti coming back in from Trinity Law. We're going to cover off wills and enduring powers of attorney because it's another area that I think people assume you know, they, they don't need when they really do need some fairly sort of specific advice. Marvellous stuff. Luke Smith from Envision Financial back again next Friday at the usual time right here on 2 C.